0: Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission.
1: Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes
0: for Radio Le Mans or visiting Radiolamon.com. The sound of endurance racing around the world. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network.
2: Hello everyone, Richard Crail here and welcome to On The Grid a weekly in-depth look at the Australian motorsport scene here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels On The Grid covers everything from supercars to S5000 TCR to Australian GT and a whole heap more weekly spread of interviews, news, views and opinion on what makes the sport tick down under we'd love to have you involved as well if you've got any questions about Antipodean Racing, drop us a line on the socials by using at the racetalk on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and we'll include your question in the next show. So that's it from me. Grab a beer, put a snag on the barbie, fire up some Bathurst on the TV and crank up your V8 and enjoy an Aussie look at our great sport. And let's welcome the show's host with the most. The voice of the Melbourne cricket ground as well is Tony Shebeki.
3: Hello everyone. Thank you for joining us. The mass exodus of Victorian teams was completed earlier this week. We catch up with Irwin Racing's Mark Witterbottom to talk about returning back to the future for him. Deputy Race Director James Taylor talks to us about plans for next weekend's racing at Sydney Motorsport Park. Dale Rogers wraps up the return of F1. Richard Crowell also to join us. First sight of the news and all five Victorian teams and a total of 12 cars from the Supercars Paddock cross the border and made it into New South Wales before the midnight Tuesday border closure. Irwin Racing's Mark Winterbottom has told on the grid it was a tough mission to complete with minimum notice. Um, Hendo, the team manager, rang and said, "Hey, have you
4: have you seen the news?" And I went, you know, no. "No idea." Um, he said, "Pack your bags and um, you got to cross the border tomorrow," um, which which is tonight. But um, but then he rang back an hour later and said, "Hey, actually, it's tonight," which was yesterday. So. Um, yeah, pretty pretty big scramble. You know, I had to try and pack your bags for, um, is it Sydney? Is it Darwin? Is it Townsville? Is it, uh, how long are we packing for? So I kind of just scrambled, packed a bit of everything. Um, and then my car was in Melbourne. So one of the team members drove up with it. My in-laws went to my house in Melbourne and packed a bag for me to come up. So it's um, it's a real scramble. And to be honest, waking up this morning, it was kind of like, where am I? What am yeah. I doing? Where's my wife? Where's my kids? It all happens so quick. The supercar champion saying his team is ready to race. Car prep, um, personnel and everything. We're ready to roll. So ideally, I'd love them to say, hey, you're on this weekend. You're on next weekend. Um, then you're going to Darwin and you're going back to back there. I'd like to do four races in four weekends or even uh, sort of the, the midnight, uh, the midweek
3: night race. Or while we're here, let's race. Let's do what we're here to do our full interview with frosty shortly meanwhile supercars have announced that racing next week will be on the saturday night and two races on sunday and the supercars field will be joined by super two and super three on the weekend last weekend a great result for australian and new zealand racing around the world it started with brisbane-born kiwi scott dixon taking out the indy grand prix at the Indy Road Course after finishing second there for the last three years. Dixon, happy to be back at Indianapolis.
1: So good to be racing here back at uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We've had, you know, so many runner-up spots here on the road course. It was just nice to... We got lucky, man. The strategy, the, the team just nailed it. We got lucky with that caution. Uh, but as soon as we got the balance right, man, the, uh, the PNC bag number nine just checked out. So it was uh, a pretty easy day towards the end of the part.
3: Meanwhile, wins to Oscar Pistori in race one and Liam Lawson in race two of the Formula 3 series, while a spectacular win to Jackson Evans in the first race of the Porsche Super Cup, all raced in Austria. Jordan Love finishing 12th. Valkyrie Bottas held on for a lights-to-flag victory in the first race of the Formula 1 season, the victor having to endure pressure from teammate Lewis Hamilton and a few safety cars. Quite a few safety cars as well, and when you're in the lead you know when you're hitting third safety car of the race you're like come
1: on again (laughs) you don't want that anymore but um, i survived all of those so um obviously for me best way to start the the season as a a team i think we're leading Uh, of course we could have got more points as as a team uh, but um, it's, it's what it is
3: hamilton finished the race second but copped a five second penalty for hitting red bull driver alex albon Hamilton, just happy to move on to next weekend. Yeah, I, I don't really feel particularly anyway right now. I think it just the race is done
4: and I just feel like moving forwards. Uh, of course, it's not been a great weekend for me and I think that uh, you know yesterday was entirely my, my fault. It was a bit odd for sure today in the preparation to all of a sudden get a penalty, but that's, it is what it is and
3: um, that didn't destabilise me. It just encouraged me to just go out there and try and drive as best I could. Lando Norris scraped into his first ever F1 podium by the smallest of margins and couldn't be happier.
1: Yeah, we have the most awkward uh, awesome, uh, awkward podiums, but um, that doesn't matter. I'm, I'm just super happy, super stoked to be on the podium in the first place. Yes, it would be nice to share it with the fans and um, to be able to hug a few more people. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just so happy. I think we weren't expecting anything like this today. But uh, you never know what can happen in Formula 1.
3: The F1 Circus back at the Red Bull ring this weekend. That's the news. Let's get straight into the show. First up, joining us on the line from his luxurious abode in Western Sydney, I assume at the moment, Mark Winterbottom from Team 18 joins us, Erwin Racing. G'day, Frosty. Uh, What's it like up there at the moment, buddy?
4: You know what? I I moved out of Western Sydney 18 years ago. And started my life in Melbourne and I've gone full circle and I'm five minutes from where I grew up, um, back in Western Sydney and um, yeah, this is home for the next foreseeable future. That's the, that's the thing, you know, we're um, obviously had to beat the border closure um, tomorrow. We're going to get COVID tested. So, um, and then once we get tested, we, we practically become a New South Welshman again and, um, and, and can kind of roam the city against once we get the, the negative results. So, at the moment, this is home. Um, it's uh, not, where I, <laughs> not where I pictured I'd be this time of year, but um, we've got to do what we've got to do and uh, left the family behind, which is the, the hardest part. Um, and, you know, biggest credit goes to them, all the families of the partners that, that are, are allowed to continue to do our job. We we get to come away, race, um, do what we do. But, you know, I've dumped a wife and three kids at home to, tr- to come and do this um big effort on them so I think they're the heroes behind all this sort of thing we just get to do what we do and keep our sport alive
3: so take us through yesterday and that 24 hour period to where you are now I presume you got a phone call around about lunchtime
4: yeah so lunchtime um you know our day we, we didn't go back home after Sydney Motorsport Park we went up the river where we we spend a lot of time and um it was really peaceful. Renee and I had just done a Les Mills aerobic class of all things, um, and we go up there. We don't watch the news because it's actually refreshing to get away from yeah. statistics and just negative news. So we go up there. Don't turn the news on and, and whatever. So um, Hendo, the team manager, rang and said, "Hey, have you have you seen the news?" And I went, you know, "No, no idea." Um, he said, "Pack your bags and um, you got to cross the border tomorrow, um, which which is tonight." But um, but then he rang back an hour later and said, Hey, actually it's tonight, which was yesterday. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty big scramble. You know, I had to try and pack your bags for, um, is it Sydney? Is it Darwin? Is it Townsville? Is it, uh, how long are we packing for? So I kind of just scrambled, packed a bit of everything. Um, and then my car was in Melbourne. So one of the team members drove up with it. My in-laws went to my house in Melbourne and packed a bag for me to come up. So, it's. Um, it's a real scramble. And to be honest, waking up this morning, it was kind of like, where am I? What am yeah. I doing? Where's my wife? Where's my kids? It all happened so quick. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a lot happened in not 24 hours, in 12 hours, a lot went on.
3: Well, I don't know if you've caught the news in the last hour or so, but uh, the premier Daniel Andrews has announced that the uh, Victorian or the metropolitan borders are now shut down for six weeks. So it looks like you guys are at least, Away from minimum of a six-week period, at least.
4: Yeah, and you know, I don't. You know, we're away racing, but I'd love if you could get your your wife and kids um, exempt to come up and spend a week with you. You know, um, you see the other codes. That's where it's hard. I'm watching the AFL, and they're at Noosa at the moment with their wife and kids. Yeah. Um, you know, away doing the same thing. Uh, we didn't have enough time to prepare for that. Um, trying to get your wife and kids to come across with you across the border. <clears throat> in 12 hours it's it's not doable so um yeah it, it's obviously a shamble in melbourne at the moment the premier looks like he's up to his eyeballs in it and um whether he's done a good job or not mm. tom yeah Tom will tell um we've yeah. all got our opinions but um but it has to be locked down and and just i don't know if we're trying to beat a statistic then um then lock it down um at the moment the hospitals and all that sort of stuff are pretty bad there's only two in hospital i think at the moment and stuff like that so who knows you know if we're trying to fight it against a number he's got a lot of work to do um if we're trying to maintain it then you know locking down's the right way to go but um the impact is huge uh we escaped the state to continue on with our sport and our business um you know our families are back there um friends have businesses there that are going to shut down again it's it's a mess so um we did what we had to do to keep our sport alive but uh yeah, thoughts are with people in Melbourne. It's it's pretty tough times ahead.
3: And in regards to your team, and of course the Dewalt team as well, how many of your guys actually got out? The entire crew got out of uh, Melbourne yesterday, Truck, yes. everything all packed up and gone.
4: It did. Um, you know, our car was on a hoist with no wheels, no uprights. It was it was apart, getting ready to to be prepped for next weekend. So um, the guys scrambled to do that, and and mega effort. Um, to then go home, tell their wife, hey, I've got to go. I don't know how long for. Um, and uh, the partners are amazing. They're, they're the, you know, our workers, we know how good they are because yeah. we see them by results on track. But the partners at home, um, they were packing bags for their husbands, boyfriends, partners, whatever, um, to say, hey, you know, I'm helping you out to, to, to let you go. Like, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, other teams, I know a good friend at Tickford, He's 40 on Thursday. He's having his 40th birthday that his wife had plans for his wife and kids in Melbourne. He's going to spend his 40th up here in isolation. It's just all those little stories, you know, and that's, the guys will work their backside off. They'll do miracles. They'll get cars on track when not possible. They get cars and trucks when not possible. Yeah. Um, But it's leaving the partners and leaving, you know, things behind. That One of our guys turning 21 next weekend, he'll do it in isolation with no family. So it's all those moments. They're the tough parts that, um, we haven't really dealt with yet, but um, yep. but they'll always do anything. Getting the cars and the trucks, getting them ready. Um, they're an amazing bunch of crew we've got that, um, that do the job.
3: Yeah, they certainly are, Frosty. You're dead set right there. How many teams, uh, and I presume yours being one of them from Melbourne, do you think will be disadvantaged by this move? Is, it good? Is there enough time between now and racing next weekend for the guys to sort of pick up from where they had left off? Yeah, honestly,
4: we'd like to race this weekend. We're here, um, cars are ready. We don't want to sit around for twelve days waiting for an event, so we'd love to race this weekend. We're um, we're not disadvantaged from a from a preparation point of view or anything like that. Um, it's just the, the emotional draining impact on the on the people. That's it. Um, you know, twelve days time, they're going to be missing family, getting sick of eating hotel food, yeah. um, looking at these walls around you. Um, it, that's where you start to get your mental state down a bit. But in terms of car prep, um, personnel and everything, we're ready to roll. So ideally, I'd love them to say, hey, you're on this weekend. You're on next weekend. Um, then you're going to Darwin and you're going back to back there. I'd like to do four races in four weekends or even uh, sort of the, the midnight, uh, the midweek night race. Or while we're here, let's race. Let's do what we're here to do. Um, smash out a few rounds, get some racing on TV, get to Darwin, do those rounds, even get to Townsville and knock those ones over, and we're five, six rounds under our belt. Plus last weekend, plus Adelaide, uh, we've almost done eight of the ten rounds of the championship. So, um, that would help the guys as opposed to sitting around waiting. But um, yeah, in terms of impact, we'll do our setup in the garage. Um, it's not as good as doing a setup at, at the workshop because you've got um, you know, level ground. You've yep. got all that sort of stuff that you work on, but the guys—they'll they, they, make it happen. So um, I don't think performance-wise we'll struggle. Uh, I think the toll will come when Queensland teams just stay at home, kiss their wife—you know, wife and kids goodbye, yeah. come down for three days, go home, live at home, come back down, go back home. That's that's normality, um, and you perform when you when you're used to normal things. So we'll see, but um, I don't think so. We can't blame this on performance, but. Use us while we're here. <laughs> we're like racehorses in the paddock. Let us out. Let us race. You
3: know? No, it's a, it's a fantastic point And I'm glad to hear you say that you don't believe performance-wise you'll struggle because performance-wise for 2020 has been pretty good for the Irwin Racing Team. <laughs> I think you've had a top 10 in every race except for race two in Adelaide where you finished 11th and a fantastic three races in Sydney last weekend.
4: Yeah, I, I'm feeling good. And I think the team's feeling good. Um, there, there's momentum that I thought we had going into the Grand Prix was really strong. And then they threw in four months of pretty well go back to basics (laughs) and start again. But um, really impressed. I thought we punched about our weight last weekend at Sydney, given how much the the team's still new and what we're learning. um, But expectations coming back a week later um, are higher. So we've got to, you know, at at worst, repeat last weekend. And at best, get podiums and, and get up there. So... It's very rare to go back to the same track within 12 months, let alone within 12 days. So um, this should help us because we're the team that we haven't, as as team 18 in that car. I've never been to Sydney Motorsport Park, and the last time maybe was with Holdsworth in 18 with a completely different package. So um, it should benefit us. It doesn't always work out that way, but um, but you know I'm excited to see what we learn um, and and where we can get to. That's
3: the that's the exciting part. The year, ex- the year started with an exciting note tour with a new engineer for your car, Mandel Sanchez. He's come from Gary Rogers Motorsport. How's that relationship been between you two guys?
4: He's good. Um, he actually has been my road trip buddy for the, the last two road trips to Sydney. Um, very, very good. He, he suits me. Um, very calm. Doesn't talk a lot. And when he talks, he talks with confidence. And he's very structured and gets the job done. So... For me, um, you know, radio chat is. <laughs> I'm more the. Um, please don't talk to me. Let me drive. Yeah. Um, coming out of the car, talk, listen, discuss, and then get on with the job. And he's he's exceptional. I really enjoy working with him. And his temperament, his personality. Him and I, uh, at the start of the year, our team actually did a personality test, um, one of those uh, uh, you know Mensa test type things that that test your personality. And him and I come out very, very close in every level. And it it does seem like that when you're working under pressure and Mm -hmm. in the moment, um, he's really good. So we're early days, um, rally three rounds in, but I feel like, you know, him and I have got a strong bond and um, we should get better as the year goes on. And uh, yeah, we're we're wrapped to have him, especially through this sort of dilemma um, that we're going through. He has kept really good structure and allowed, you know, people like Phil who, are, um, you know, Phil Key's one of the best in pit lane. Yeah. He needs to not be rattled and have a free mind, and, and Manuel lets him do that. So as a team,
3: he's a big in, and um, we're lucky to have him. Also, the other exciting part of the start of the year was, of course, the additional second car, Scotty Pine DeWalt Racing. How much of an effect has that had on the team in regards to helping you with an extra set of data and the like? Is it too early to tell, or, have you, or are you seeing that sort of result?
4: Uh, it was good until they took the data away from it. Yeah, it well, true, exactly. <laughs> which um, which then went, Hey, where's our data gone? But um but yeah, he's good, you know. So just yeah. on
3: clarification on that, you did get data available after the races, didn't you?
4: After the race. So yeah. um so effectively Monday at the workshop we could look at data but on the weekend yeah. um it was it was not usable. So um so yeah, he he's been good. You know, when, when you have drivers I feel when Charlie was recruiting, um, you know, he asked sort of opinion, but I couldn't give opinion because on drivers is quite hard. But um, the good thing I thought about Scott was he's always been very strong high-speed corners. And um, he does something around those, you know, turn ones at Sydney Motorsport Park, turn one at Phillip Island, last corner at Phillip Island, turn eight at Adelaide. He does something in his technique, which I now know because I've seen his data, that's very strong. So I think, um tight corners technical corners I'm quite strong um high speed I think he's one of the best in the category so he's been really good to to look at his data um understand his feedback a little bit and just work together uh and try and move the cars up so um yeah he's been good he's been really good and he'll get better he's um he's only three rounds into a new team and um he's already shown really good speed. So uh, he, he's
3: going to be good for the team, you know, long-term. He's, um, he's going to be really good. As a punter watching the racing last weekend at Sydney Motorsport Park, and I've spoken to a few others, gee was we thought it was one of the best weekends of racing we've seen for a long, long time. I'm pretty sure it felt the same <laughs> for you guys as well.
4: Yeah, I thought the racing was getting stale, to be honest, in, in some aspects without being um, controversial. I think, you know, Adelaide was, was average. Um, watching back the replays, yeah. The era wash through eight was really big. Um, and just, yeah, the, the racing I thought it needs a shake up. And to the flip side, watching that on the weekend, I've never seen a race weekend as good as that. Yeah. Um, cars, uh, you know, Cam Waters at the start of the race, watching him go outside of Coulthard, inside of Van yeah. They're four wide, you know, I was three wide with Scotty and McCauley. Um, you know, this guy Holdsworth goes back to twelfth, he's out of the race. or oh, hang on, he's P two <laughs> running down the leader. Um, that's as good as it gets. And we needed to come back with a good product. Um, if we'd to come back with the same as Adelaide, people would have said, you know what, what have we missed? You know, like we love motorsport, but it's a bit blase. That guy wins, that guy finishes second. Um, that weekend, it's if you're not enthused about our sport and and excited, then you're hard pressed to please because that, you know, that's as good as it gets in motorsport around the world. And we get the chance to back it up now with, um, with another weekend here under the lights and with some crowd as well. And um, you know, that that's as good
3: as it gets. I was yeah. really,
4: as as a as a lover and purist of motorsport that's as good as it gets
3: and I think applause to supercars as well for making the decision to mix up the tires for next weekend as well so you're going to have a couple of sets of soft and a few sets of hards so strategy is going to play an even bigger part again we know that the tire deg on the on the softs is going to be severe but we know how much quicker it's going to be gee is it's going to make for once again very interesting racing it is um as long as they
4: do it properly you know it's um uh, I haven't seen the sub-regs yet, so um, I'll, I'll wait and see what uh, what they say. I know the tyre allocation, I just don't know how you're forced to use it. So, yep. um, you know, they need to do something, you know, just my opinion, I haven't seen it, but they need to, if you start on, if you qualify on a soft tyre, you have to start on that tyre. If you qualify on a hard, you have to start on a hard. Actually, you know, if you start on a heavy fuel load, you qualify on a heavy fuel load, whatever it is, try and create some... Um, artificial racing a little bit. You can't just because if you just say to everyone, you got four sets of softs, you've got three sets of hards, we'll all work out what the great strategy is and we'll all do the same thing. Yeah. Um so hopefully it's mixed up. Uh the 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 soft tire actually lasted longer at Sydney Motorsport Park than what I thought. Um it actually went okay. So we'll see. But if they mix the format up, uh you know, we might not need the fireworks at night, I reckon there, <laughs> there'll be enough on track 'cause um uh you know, a hard tyre or a soft tyre is, is going to be noticeable. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. But they, if they get the format right, you know, I'd be watching TV when it's on because it should be good.
3: Well, we're handing out applause, applause to uh, the Australian, uh, the guys up at City Motorsport Park for getting those lights up and ready for this weekend as well. that has been a magic job by those folks. have worked extremely hard to get it right. And you're right, not only can we race on Saturday night, but gee whiz, let's do a Wednesday night. Let's do something different
4: yeah you know what um you know rugby league's doing it afl's doing it thursday nights now the start of the weekend and you know we we could well and truly race tuesday night wednesday night um whatever it is um come back have two days off race saturday race sunday have two nights off race wednesday again and then head off to darwin and that would that would satisfy four races in a week but i talk from a driver's point of view that's yeah. just race 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 I don't think about the politics. I don't think about anything else, just putting the helmet on and steering. So that's the driver's wish list. But, um, but, yeah, like I said, we're here. We're not here to holiday. We're here to race. And we're here. I want to be here. I want to be away from my family racing, not away from them sitting in a hotel room, waiting, twiddling my thumbs, uh, you know, missing them when I should be at home, you know. So yeah. um, if we're on TV, it's going to help the wives and partners at home to see that we're away doing our job. Um, so yeah, hopefully, they've done an exceptional job and Sydney Motorsport Park to put us up. You know, the guys are in the garage working, um, open their doors to us, they've been amazing. And I've got a soft spot for Western Sydney, given I yep. grew up here. Um, it's one of the premier places in the country, it's only got more to come with their funding. And, um, it's you know, I, I think give reward back to those who give to the sport. Um, they're doing big things, so let's race there. Let's. Um, let's race one way, turn around, race the other direction. I don't care what it is. They've got three layouts. It's, let's just race here and um, reward those that, that put in, you know.
3: A final one for you, mate. Uh, we know the footy teams have sort of been quarantined into their uh, areas for the next couple of weeks. They can only go to the hotel and also train at a footy ground or the ground that they're playing at. Are you guys confined to your hotel room in the track or are you actually allowed to go out?
4: Uh, it's a bit of a grey area at the moment. I'm not sure. but. Um, I believe we get tested tomorrow for uh, for the COVID test. Yep. Um, and I believe once we're tested, we become a New South Welshman, and we can we can live like local. Because okay. I think obviously the concerns um, Victoria is a hotspot, um, bringing the disease up here and spreading it. So if you can prove that you don't have it, which we'll all get tested tomorrow, um, and we're shown as negative, then you become a New South Welshman effectively, and. Um, and then the fact that we're here for 14 days, I think allows us to then go to Darwin because we can travel from Sydney. So there's lots of reasons why we're doing what we're doing here. Um, but I, I, I can't spend two weeks in this room. I'll, yeah. um, I'll be bouncing off the walls, <laughs> trying going mad. So I hope that, um, yeah, I hope that that's the case and we get tested. We prove we're negative and, um, uh, you know, go to the gym and actually, um, Train at, at uh, you know stay in shape, stay positive, eat more than hotel food and um you know go visit my sister and actually feel like you're somewhat normal in a very unnormal world that we're living so um i hope that's I hope that's what happens but um if we don't if we have to stay here, we adhere to the rules and um do what you've got to do
3: uh, exactly right and
4: mate did you ever get your boat back i've got my boat i've got my boat back which uh uh <laughs> One of the guys from the team said we should have used it to smuggle the team across the border. But, um, but that boat's had enough controversy to, um, to do that. So, yeah, we got, got the boat back. And, um, you know, like I said, we we're up the river and life was good. You know, it's, it's a peaceful place up there, except for when your boat gets stolen. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just been loving it up there, really. Um, and that was, yeah, 24 hours ago how, how it all changed. But yeah, got my boat back. And, Excellent. Um, I'll tell you what—they're lucky they lucky they got it back because I had an angry wife, and right now, me being away and the boat still missing, she would have <laughs> she would have been dangerous. So um, well, thank goodness we got it back.
3: I'll tell you what—the great news for Renee is that she gets to spend the next six weeks at home with the kids because uh, they're going to be doing homeschooling.
4: Oh man, don't say that.
3: <laughs> no, it's yeah, true. It's, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah.
4: I've seen the news. Yeah, it's um, going to be tough, but. Um, yeah we 've got good partners, like I yeah. said it 's um, it's a big shout out to them. We talk about drivers' teams, whatever they 're the ones that are going to battle through it and um, and if they 're happy, that helps everyone who works here. so um, yeah, big effort by them, and, and we 're grateful they 're going to be thanked.
3: Yeah, beautiful. mate. thank you so much for your time. really do appreciate it. Good luck with the uh, remainder of the season. It started off so well let 's hope it continues for you guys and a podium not too far away for the uh, the Irwin racing car.
4: Thanks, mate. I'd like to say I have lots on my hand and, and no time, but I've got a load. so you're welcome. <laughs>
3: Thanks, Mark, Winter, Mark Winterbottom joining us here on The Grid. Richard Crowell joining us here on The Grid. Hello, Crowellsy.
2: Hello, Brother Shebexter. How are you?
3: Mate, I'm fantastic. Just had a lovely chat to Mark Winterbottom and looking forward to continuing our look at what's uh, been an amazing 24 hours in sport.
2: <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, 2020—the year that keeps giving. We might not like what it's giving, but it's giving regardless. Um, what an extraordinary, extraordinary situation. And um, do you remember the the terrible, um, the terrible, terrible film with the character Snake Plissken, Escape from New York?
3: Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, that was oh. bloody
2: awful. It was—I think Kurt Russell, maybe. Oh, okay. Um, it it was a terrible, terrible film where in the future New York's this basically a prison for all the scum of the earth um, and it's all completely locked down and they send another prisoner in there to get them out. And there's massive, anyway, Google it. Um, Horrible film. That's Victoria now. But well, that's my point yesterday or Monday our time, We had escape from Melbourne. The sequel that no one thought they saw coming is supercars departed the, uh, the Southern part of Australia and raced to the border to get across it by Midnight and um, Aubrey Wodonga have never seen the like. So quite extraordinary circumstances. And we'll, we'll talk about it later about um, the effort that our sport and in particular the teams and the people involved in these teams and, and broadly, and we'll get to it in a minute, um, some of the officials involved in our sport as well. The effort they've gone to to keep the show literally on the road, Shebeks, is it's amazing. Uh, is pretty outstanding and, and we're very thankful for that. Yep.
3: Yeah, one of those guys that escaped Victoria yesterday before the midnight curfew was James Taylor, the deputy race director for supercars. And he joins us now. Uh, James, welcome. What a mad 24 hours that must've been for you and your team. Well, firstly, thanks Tony. And thanks
1: crazy. Nice to talk to you boys again. Um, yeah. 24 hours. I don't even think we had that one. <laughs> So it was, it was rather drastic from an eight o'clock morning text message to ten we're on a plane, flights booked and all due credit to Michael Smith and the team at motorsport Australia is pretty, pretty fluid. And we just made it happen.
2: So JT just work us through the timeline. And you mentioned when you got that text message. So you wake up Monday morning going about your business, um, your lovely wife, Belinda, heads off to work, I would imagine. No, nah, school holidays, mate. Oh, school holidays, of course. <laughs> so, so no work for BT. But what, so what was the, just tell me how those those first couple of hours unfolded and, and more particularly what the messaging from Motorsport Australia was.
1: Um, well, it all sort of unfolded. We're lucky enough that my sister-in-law works within the council system, local mm-hmm. council in Victoria, and gave us a heads up. Yep. And then I spoke to a few other people I know within government authority bodies and sent a text message to Michael Smith around 10 o'clock saying, um, I'm hearing New South Wales is going to close the borders tonight for us. Mm. And he quickly replied and said, okay, what do you do? And within half an hour, he'd spoken to myself. James Zoppo. is up here with me at the moment. He's here as our technical IT, pretty much basically another assistant race director for us in the tower. And by 11 o'clock, Steph, who coordinates all the travel for Motorsport Australia, came through we had our flights and it was so rushed that we we're basically sitting in the airport car park wow. waiting waiting for our t- itineraries to arrive so we didn't know where we were staying where we we're picking the rental car up until we we're at the airport at Tull Marine. but ironically Tull Marine was like a ghost town still mm-hmm. even, even with the system and here I really should probably give some credit to Qantas for the way they handled the staff and the personnel I felt quite safe with the mask and stuff and their precautions on it but it was very fluid, very quickly. And from what I understand, Eugene, Araka and his team were just, we're going to make it happen. And James and I sort of said, we can do it. And away we went from there. It was very quick.
3: Uh, Crowley, you mentioned just before, JT, the uh, the credit that goes out to so many people in regards to what has happened. You mentioned the people from Motorsport Australia, but... You, you, you must, you've got to applaud the teams and their ability. Uh, just speaking to Mark Winterbottom before, he said his car had no uprights in it; it was on the hoist. It had no wheels or nothing. The team had to assemble the car and get it on the truck and get the truck rolling to get to the border in four—you know—within a four-hour window.
1: Yeah, I, I don't envy them. It's a lot of people. I think think the cars go back and just stay in the transporters and only come out if they need to be repaired. I think there was one more because immediately what we call now is SMP, SMSP one was fairly clean. Mm. It was really good racing. And I think the drivers need to be commended for that. And I think Beta was very explanatory on how it that was perceived. And it was really good and entertaining. So everyone thinks they just sit in the trucks when they go home, but it's quite clear now that there's a lot more prep, but yeah, they all need to be commended. And it's just like you use now, like I've just seen on the news that apparently even some of the A league teams missed the cutoff. Yeah. So when you compare that, that's a team of eleven soccer players plus staff and spares compared to like trying to load up two, three, four cars in Tickford's point of view, mm. and then get your crew that are not just living in your local areas—they're spread. I think they create achieved a phenomenal job to get everyone across the border in the time frame we were given.
2: It, it speaks volumes, boys, to the agility of our industry. And and I wrote something on the website earlier today that that went along those lines in that unlike the ball sports, even though they're used to traveling around week in, week out with a home and away season. And it's all part of the rigmarole is catch a plane accommodation, go and play a game of footy, fly home. But motorsports so variable like that in that no two weeks, the same, you're always somewhere different every weekend, but then for a race team in a race, it's even isolated again, that it's completely unpredictable. And the green flag drops. No one knows what's going to happen. It could rain. You could get crashed into your engine could blow Strategies change lap after lap. So I think our industry, and James, you've been involved in the race control side of things for a long time. I think we're geared to be nimble and, and agile to adapt to things very, very quickly just by the nature of the self, itself, I suppose.
1: Yeah. I'd say we're, a lot of the people in the hierarchy in the management team is used to very, use the buzzword at the moment. They're very fluid yeah. in dealing with issues as they arise and just working around them. And I, it just proves it. I think the last day being yesterday, I think it's really highlighted that. And there was no real fuss. There's no fanfare. Like all these other sports, the, the competitors and the ones that are earning a lot more money than anyone is in supercars Yeah, are all complaining about having leave their families. Yeah. Like you're talking potentially, let's just say maybe an apprentice mechanic for one of these teams.
2: Yeah. On maybe he's, 50 grand a year. Like,
1: If that, he's gone and packed his bag up and said goodbye. And he d- the mechanics, you don't know when you're coming home. Like mm. there's a lot of theories getting around what the next schedule will be. Mm. And we've just got to be ready for it, whatever happens and move on from there.
2: Jane, was there a moment for you where you sat down with your wife and went, well, am I doing this? Or was this for you? But this is your job, obviously. But is this for you Just say, uh, no, I've got to be there. I, I can't not do this.
1: Well, ironically, or well, as you know, cause I did the I've done the four years in Asia and I'm sort of glad I'm not over in Asia <laughs> yeah, right now yeah, at the absolutely. moment because it would have been a different kettle of fish but Mm. we sort of started talking about it when it all instigated and we're sort of estimating it we're going to have to do maybe i have to go up two weeks prior for darwin because the darwin was being very litigious on 14 day quarantine regardless Mm. and we thought yep we'll do that at darwin and then we're just going to see what happens but it's it's just been expedited a bit Mm. um it took us lucky as you said we live out of the suitcase it didn't take long to throw everything together but as today, we noticed we are sort of walking around and we started hearing these theories. And I said, well, I haven't got stuff for a northern Queensland climate or a Darwin climate. <laughs> yeah. I brought, brought for Sydney. I'm from Melbourne. Let's remember that. We're yeah. cold. Um, so, yeah, it was just pack and go. But we have sort of been talking about it. I'm lucky my wife, as, you, as you've already mentioned. She's within the sport and the mm. system. She understands it. And it's just what you do. It's like every volunteer's out there. It's like, Shebex and I were having a big chat before. I was like, it's people saying, why can't we do a midweek and ISO stuff? The problem is all the volunteers have day jobs. Yeah. And that's a big issue. I'd love to do a, something different, but to get everyone together, that's not the trailing part.
2: Mm.
1: All those people have prior commitments that we need to realise and accept. Mm. Right? And some of these volunteers put in phenomenal hours mm. just to achieve what we do for sport, but it was interesting.
3: One person that hasn't made the initial trip up there, of course, is race director Tim Schenken. Uh, talk is that he's going to apply for some sort of exemption and hopefully get that to join you guys next weekend. But we're not guaranteed that's going to happen. You could find yourself with uh, a bigger hat than what you're currently wearing, mate.
1: Yeah, and they're shoes that I didn't really expect to be sort of filling in quite quick, <laughs> as quick as this. Tim, um, to his credit, has been really good. As we all know, I sort of took this role on it just prior to Adelaide. And it's been really good, but it's Tim is leaving very big shoes that are going to be very hard to fill for the reputation. And he's been doing this job for so long, it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, just every job as it comes, I've got a good support network. with Craig Baird, who I've worked with quite well in the last couple of years with Porsche previously as well. So it's going to be an interesting weekend if it happens. But Tim, they'll be doing what they can to get Tim up here. And I can understand that. James Delzopper and myself coming up was really just to make sure in hindsight that there was at least two of us that were already here if the worst case scenario happens and Tim doesn't get his permit. Mm.
3: Uh, On Tim Schenken, his ability to teach and train must be amazing. The fact that he's got Michael Massey to a a position or (laughs) Michael worked with him for a long time uh, to get him up into Formula One. uh, Is it great working with a bloke like Tim? Yeah, it's... There's a lot of knowledge there and a lot of people
1: don't, and don't really understand how long he spent over in Europe driving the cars he did over in Europe before he came back. Um, you do a track walk with Tim, which is his routine and the man is very sprightly. I'll leave it as that. And it's a bit <laughs> of a workout to keep with Tim, but as he's walking around the stuff that he's taking through and working through in his brain is actually really phenomenal of what he's on. He just doesn't switch off mentally. And even physically, he's, he's still ahead of his game on that aspect. And he needs a bit of cred- needs to be given a lot of credit for what he does.
2: Um, you, your role, James, I mean, you mentioned we, we've been fortunate enough to work together for a while now on, on the Porsche stuff through Carrera Cup Australia and uh, a few extraordinarily good brief rounds of Carrera Cup Asia a couple of years ago, which were uh, fixed in my memory and will be for a long time. Um, but but just talk about your role at Supercars. And, and as Shebex mentioned, new this year, you, you're filling the big boots of Double M, who's headed off to be Formula 1's head honcho. Um, But just talk about your role specifically and how it ties in with Tim Schenken, who's obviously well-known as Supercars Race Director, and Beardo, who's the driver standards guru, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago. Oh,
1: you survived, Craig. That's good. (laughs) We did. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Lovely crew. Um, Basically, the main it's a dual role. You're Deputy Race Director for all the Supercar rounds. Yep. And then also you take on the race director role for Dumop Super Two, which is now combined this weekend for Super Three
2: yep.
1: up here at Eastern Creek, and I think for the ongoing rounds this year. So during a Supercar round, you're, during a Supercar event, you work close. I work closely with Craig and James Del Zoppo, who controls our IT component, the instant messaging, the MoTeC, all the information we get from the cars as they're going around. And then we work with Craig. So Tim controls the operational side of things, but he also has an oversight of what we're doing. Mm. It's a very, he's very much on top of the whole picture, but he's got the three of us running the underground, working with the stewards for all the penalties. So the people don't understand, it's not just Craig Baird making the decision when it comes to penalties. There's four sets of eyes, plus the stewards that were reviewing those instances. But most of the conversation will be Craig talking to the stewards and we're all watching the same footage and then it flows. And then there's operational things during a session. For instance, we take over a bit of the control for the safety car, Mm. which is handy and I'm quite lucky that we get a lot of practice at our 12-hour events up at Bathurst using those cars. And we get, it's fluid like that and Tim runs it. So Tim runs like a good CEO where he's got a good under management that is doing the work, but he's still got an overriding picture of the whole thing. And then when it comes to the Dumb up Super 2 series, Craig and I basically fulfill the same roles, but then I take more of a race director role in the operational side of things as well. So, like, for instance, this weekend, looking at the schedules or whatever they end up coming up with a schedule, there's a good chance Craig, myself, and James Del Zoppo, we won't get to leave race control over the weekend yeah. at the moment because the gappings, potentially the gappings are going to be very tight. Be
2: quite tight for TV,
1: won't it? Yeah. Yeah.
3: From what we understand, I think there's going to be what Saturday night race and then two races on Sunday. So yeah. that's yeah, we've
1: we've qualifying before Sundays as well. Yeah, so correct. That uh, makes it
3: interesting. Last weekend, mate, uh, we spoke about this last week on the show. Probably some of the best racing that we believe we've seen in the Supercars weekend overall. Especially uh, at that place. Oh, without a doubt, mate. You must have been really impressed with what you saw.
0: Um,
1: good to watch, as you say. I'm, I don't try and say I'm a driver. I never will commit to that but it was quite entertaining to watch and this is where Craig I think needs to be given a lot of credit with what he's done previously with Tim with this play on attitude and a lot of the drivers are respecting the way Craig's putting it across with Tim and I think that's why it works like there was some really tight racing like you think there was a couple instances down into turn 8 yep and I think one of them with Davy Reynolds mm. it's like they don't the old tap and pass is gone now Mm. They race hard and the drivers are giving each other respect and room and creating proper racing. It was really quite a good. We don't get to see a lot of it. Ironically, people must think you see everything. But if you imagine there's only three people and we've got, well, we we'll use Eastern Creek. We've got 11 corners to try and watch. Yeah. And when, once the field spreads out, we don't catch it all. But from what we could see, I ironically, I haven't watched the highlights from last weekend yet. So it, it it looked quite good. And the, as I said, the racing was tight. The drivers are giving each other room and respect and really put on a good display.
3: Well, we mentioned that, of course, your role as Deputy Race Director, but also at the at the lower level of that, you are a race fan. You have been for a long, long time. How tough is it to separate yourself from being a fan to actually being the race director? Do you find yourself getting... Watching and going, oh, how good was that? did,
2: did
1: <laughs> that happen?
2: The, the, the he did same. in Asia,
3: Shebex. I tell you, it
2: was much more race fanny over there.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Asia was great. Asia was great for learning how to fix problems as they arise because you never knew what was coming in Asia. Yeah, because they, they, they arose good. every second over there. <laughs> um, the irony of it, Shebex, is I can't really watch a race. Oh, really? Uh, I think half the problem you sit there going, well, what are they doing? And you sort of start thinking of what and analysing it the way you'd operate. And it does, it quite literally does your head in. Mm. So like I even started on the weekend, I tried to watch some of the indie stuff coming out of Indianapolis on the weekend and you sort of sit there going, what are they doing that for? So I I don't make a great fan at the moment. It's probably, it's probably like an old football player doesn't make a great football fan either. You know what's happened and it makes it quite hard and you just you're always learning. I'm a strong believer of that old adage everyone uses that you never stop learning. So you just watch and you learn from how other people do. And you might pick up something that's achievable, but mm. I can't watch a race meeting. Like mm. the 12 hour you're sitting there for 14 hours. Yeah. And the bit you only really remember are the bit you've got to correct. Yeah. Yes. And that's because they're the you you concentrate. Yeah. and And I've met some lovely people, but, the sad part is most of the people you see all the time are the ones that you're frequently talking to in an office somewhere that you remember the most. Yeah. yeah. And all the glorified ones like the Maddie Campbells of the world and Jackson Evans last weekend. Yeah. How
2: was that? Yeah. yeah. And, and that was a, we'll talk more about that, Chevex, because we, yes, we will. three of us have all had an involvement with, yeah. um, with Jackson over his career, Cup career. Um, I, I will say one thing. I know you don't watch races. Did you watch the GP on Sunday night? From
1: Australia. Yep. the yeah. best last 10 laps you've ever seen for a long a time. Fantastic, weren't well,
2: they? Do you know, I the, the call they made on the Hamilton-Albon thing, I thought that was a very Australian call. I, I thought... Don't forget there's an Australian running it now. No, well, that's exactly my point, because it comes from the school of thought from, from racing down here. that I, I sort of looked at that and went, okay, well, Albon sent it big round the outside, diminishing law of returns, closing in, Hamilton probably could have given him more room. So in the end that five second penalty for mine, I was like, do you know what? Sure, it took Albon out of the equation, but I looked at that penalty and thought, that's actually I don't actually mind that. And in the end it cost Hamilton a podium, which was the right result. So what that, you that, think
1: on what you think on the T V way, didn't it make the last couple laps watching Lando. Oh
2: yeah. From a from a race control point of view, that penalty I thought that that's the kind of penalty that would have been assessed in Carrera Cup or even potentially Supercars it just struck me as being kind of familiar officiating it, it right. had Michael Massey written all over it
1: Michael Massey and then there's other people like there's a lot of Australians behind the scenes that are doing FIA events like mm. your you name you, for starters you got Gary Connolly heavily involved over there yeah. two of the, two of the FIA two of the stewards that do Supercar rounds routinely are doing FIA rounds and then you go back to the great Tasmanian lawyer Steve when he was over yes. doing all the air fire stuff. yeah so there's a bit of an, a lot of an influence and I think it's the way it is, is instead of the racing being so stop start stop start, there is more of a, and we as you would have seen we started to instigate that over in Asia as well. Mm. It just makes it more entertaining for everyone the drivers as well and especially with that the technology now with telling drivers what their penalties are. they know what they're doing. Yeah, And in some ways you could see Hamilton reflected on that as well. And he picked up the speed, but it just adds to it. And I think it's a better way of doing it. You just don't neutralize the racing. You now it just keeps it as better. It says play on and it looks better.
2: Yeah. And the fact that that result was determined before the checkered flag dropped or yeah. a, as the flag dropped. Mm. So you didn't have that really awkward solution that we all hate, which is a penalty after the race, removing someone off the podium. Yep. It just makes it really awkward, and I, I love that approach that you guys in particular have taken, and are working with you on twelve hour as well. In and let's just get it sorted. Punishment fits the crime, and move on with things as well. So, yep. um, no, I love it, mate. It's um, it's super, and you guys are doing a great job in race the,
1: the biggest issue in that. And we're lucky here; it depends on your access to footage. If you get good yeah. footage, it makes it a yep. lot easier.
2: So it goes think, hand in hand with the TV product that you've got as well. So uh, we're, we're lucky that we've got world class TV with motorsport in this part of the world. And,
1: and I think Nathan and his boys proved that with the E-series stuff. Yeah. I glanced over that a few times and went, "Have I missed a race meeting somewhere?" <laughs> 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 not <get that>
2: memo.
1: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so I've been, I've been sacked already.
2: Be thankful you weren't race directing that though. There was some sketchy stuff. Oh uh,
1: uh, it's a computer. It's a computer system. It's got inbuilt rules. They just does. need to.
2: It <laughs> does. The track limit thing in iRacing is amazing. If you could put that in real life where if you run wide it pops up on your screen saying slow down 1.2 seconds oh okay imagine yeah and and you have to slow down otherwise you'll get pinged imagine yeah. that in real life that would well, remove your turn five track limits at sydney motorsport park straight away no problem
1: well, well you got to give some of them credit even from the last weekend it did seem busy with yeah. bad ship flags yeah but if you go that to a couple of years ago and we've been there with porsche yeah it was way down to what it used to be. Yeah. So the drivers are respecting the rules and the guidelines. So 100%.
2: Jeez, tell,
3: you, tell you what was busy, Formula 2 at Austria in regards yeah. to track oh. limits. My goodness, mate, there was five every lap. Yeah. I didn't
1: get to see much of them. That's a pity because I quite like them because they are entertaining.
3: And also Formula 3 was entertaining too, especially since we a, a couple of guys that we know mm. as well have got up and, uh, and got a win, which is great.
1: Yeah, four of them. Four Aussies, I think, by memory. Yeah. and Five, if you, five in, if you want to count, Liam. Yeah,
3: well. Yeah, <laughs> and, well, but, but if you also count the, the Brisbane-born New Zealander, Scotty Dixon yeah, Scott as Dixon well, Dixon was Dixon. it was a big weekend. <laughs> yeah, but, no,
1: it's no, it, it was been, it's been interesting. And as I said, the whole, from yesterday morning, it's been even more intriguing.
3: Yeah, it has. Mate, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. Enjoy your uh, week and a half of rest and relaxation up in Sydney. Until next yeah. weekend, next weekend.
1: I don't think it's too much rest. Like, as I mentioned to you in the pre-op before we got on, it's like the phones are going hot, the emails are going crazy. Um, I don't envy the management team at Supercars and the teams at Motorsport Australia because it's just so fluid at the moment to use that word that everyone uses. yeah, There's a lot of hypotheticals going around.
3: The good news for you is you're probably one of the few Victorians that can actually catch a game of footy at the SCG yeah. this weekend if you want to yeah. just across the road.
1: Yeah, but we can't buy a ticket because we're from Victoria, apparently. Oh. <laughs> um, can't buy a ticket, ironically. It's oh, like 2, 2K away and we can't even yeah. utilize it. Oh, I'm sure we could work irony,
2: something up. Irony is the word of 2020,
1: isn't it? It isn't is. It? Uh, and irony and we never want to do this again.
2: Yeah, no, no. no.
3: no.
1: I'm opting out of the next
3: global yeah. pandemic. No. Someone uh, asked Someone asked if we should have Christmas next week. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm all for that.
1: Uh, I'd be Thanks. more happy to do a Grand Hill Day opportunity.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jimbo. How well, you had to get done in, didn't you? <laughs> what an amazing two or three days it's been, especially for Australian motor racing overseas and here. Not only do we have Escape from Melbourne, but we had uh, the the win. Awesome in Austria. Austria. Yeah, 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 which was yeah. just well, – let's, let's have a look at some of that stuff. Uh, not so much the Formula One. I'll do that with Dale Rogers shortly. But let's kick it off with Jackson Evans and what an amazing win for him. In uh, Super Cup,
2: yeah, I'm really proud of Jackson. He's he's a super young guy, and and it, it's funny, you know, you're old, Shubex, when you followed the entire career of yeah. a young race car driver, and and you get to see them succeed, um, succeed. So, um, you know, Jackson came to us in 2015 in Porsche Racing here in Australia in Cup Challenge, uh, running a Class B car. Um, and scrounging together old sets of tires to go and run production sports car races on the weekend to get some more miles. Yep. Um, so did it on a real shoestring, but we all knew he had great talent. He moved up into cup challenge the next year, um, didn't win the championship, but won a lot of races and was very, very quick moved into career cup. Um, and in 2017, in midway through the season, he sort of clicked and he, he smoked the second half of that championship Won it at a canter in 2018. Um, and, and very closely following the path of Matt Campbell. Um, and had a, had a tough year in Super Cup last year. a really challenging season. Driving with um, Fark Autotech, and that's not, I'm not swearing, that's the team. No, no, mate. no, yeah. um, and, uh, they And they lost their way midway through the season, couldn't qualify well. And then when they got it together at the end of the season, and Jackson had great car speed, qualified on pole at Monza, And uh, Ayanken Guven, the Turkish driver, fenced him at Turn 1 at Monza and punted him out of the lead on the opening lap. And he ended up finishing sixth. So, a chance of a win last year went begging. But a couple of podiums. um, But massive vote of faith uh, from Porsche in Jackson this year. He was given the opportunity to drive for Lechner Racing. um, You know, there. They're the preeminent one-make Porsche team in the world. Yeah. Um, They've won nine of the last 10 Super Cup championships in the last three in a row with Michael Ammermiller, And they went to Jackson and said, we want you in car number one, in our lead car. And delivered. Qualified on pole. He topped testing beforehand. um, Drove a really impressive motor race, Shebex, uh, where he got the start. Led under a little bit of pressure from Dylan Pereira, his teammate, early on, but then lap seven, I think it was. He bashed out the fastest lap, broke any chance of a slipstream yep. and um, and won the race. So really proud of him and the way he measured that drive um, in, in what is going to be a really intense Super Cup championship because they're doing 10 rounds in about 12 weeks. Um, so it's hugely important that he delivers and it's yep. going to all happen in a really short space of time. So perfect way to start his Super Cup campaign and um, yeah, really cool, really, really cool to see these kids that we've worked with here um, go and succeed and chase their dreams and, and kick butt doing it. I'm, I'm so chuffed for him.
3: And the other one, of course, is Jordan Love, who had his first Super Cup race and nearly got a top 10 spot in his first race.
2: Well, yeah, but and had a shocker in qualifying and, and admitted on socials that he didn't get qualifying right. And Super Cup so close that he missed pole by 1.1 seconds and he was 18th. Wow. Um. But one thing you and I have seen in doing Career Cup Australia for the last couple of years is that Jordan is a racer. Yeah. And he loves an overtake. And he loves the full send overtake. They send it from 25 metres back and it'll come out the other side. Um, so he got to 11th in that race, dropped back to 12th at the finish. But um, really promising race craft. And the best thing for that is is that they go back to the same track next week. So if you haven't followed Super Cup, it's bloody tough because they rock up, they get a 30 minute practice session, a 30 minute qualifying, and then a, like a 35, 40 minute race. And that's it. Yeah. So there's very little time to tune a car up and learn the track over a weekend for a rookie driver, especially. So going back in week two, Jordan will be able to work out what happened in qualifying last time and hopefully qualify better. And if he can qualify better, we know he's got the race pace and the ability to pass cars. So, um, he'll be fine. I've got no doubts in his ability whatsoever, but really cool story Couple with the kids in F3. Um, really good day for Antipodean motor racing and um, between Australia and New Zealand. It's, it's super proud. Really, And good. then
3: Scotty Dixon, of course, in Indy oh, cars I as well. The guy's a freak. Yeah, he, isn't he?
2: Um, he's the, the stats
3: that he's racking up are just amazing.
2: Yeah. Like he's, he's 40 just about, I think. Um, He's the second most successful IndyCar driver of all time, statistically, and he's hauling in Mario Andretti on the all-time winners list. Um, It's just remarkable. He's won the first two races of this season. He's got a big championship lead already in a shortened season, going into a pair of double headers at Road America next weekend, which is a track where he's one of the bosses at. Um, That's going to be incredible. And the other thing, Will Power qualified on pole. And Will has been super fast this year, but has had shocking luck. Mm. Um, And a US colleague of ours, Marshall Pruitt, who covers it for Racer magazine, um, calls it the golden bowling ball, which is when someone (laughs) cannonballs into the field and just gets all the bad luck. And Will's had bad luck. But he is now the second most winning pole position driver in the 105-odd year history of IndyCar racing in America. So... He's in front of Unser, Rutherford, Mears, Bobby Gross. Unser. like Will Power from Toowoomba in Queensland. Yeah. It's just his one lap pace remains as good as it ever has been. So, really cool weekend. Um, the only thing that would have made it better was, was Dan the man getting a result in F1. But I don't think that's going to happen in that Renault. But um, there's hope for McLaren next year with a, with a Mercedes engine as well. So, um, yeah, cool weekend, Shebex. Just really satisfying to see those kids and mate. I've got to be frank, I just loved a Sunday night on the couch watching car racing. How good was it? Feels like it. it's been a long time since we've been able to able to enjoy that.
3: How good was it? Mate, just quickly, uh, your thoughts. Uh, Mark Winterbottom mentioning before in the interview that I had with him, I said, so what do you, you plan to do for the next week and a half until racing? He says, mate, yeah. we just want to race. He said, let's bring the race forward to this weekend. Let's race Wednesday night. Let's race the weekend after. Let's get three or four rounds knocked off in two mm. weeks up here in Sydney before we have to go up to Darwin. It makes perfect yeah. sense. We heard what James Taylor said before, obviously volunteers and the, the marshals might mm. be tough to to get around, but it just absolutely makes sense.
2: Yeah. I think supercars now have to be flexible with this. Um, now I, I don't, it's probably not feasible to run a race before the scheduled round that was already planned next weekend. Yep. Um, but why not run one Wednesday the week after? So come back three days later, Wednesday yep. night. Or Friday night that week. It, it, they, they need to be really flexible now. And, and It's not as if they need to be anywhere
3: home. else. That's the thing.
2: No, no, exactly right, mate. And, and the Victorian teams literally can't get back to Victoria or they're stuck there Correct. permanently because they'll have to quarantine for two weeks to get out. So they, they resigned to the fact of being in New South Wales. They need to make the most of it. Um, it looks like the Queensland borders will open on the 10th of July to New South Wales. Um, it, we talked about it. Maybe go to Queensland Raceway as well as Townsville. Um, run back-to-back rounds at Hidden Valley. Uh, it has to be a case that the Bend has to be back on the program. Come to South Australia as well. They, I, I can't see Sandown happening. Well, let's look at it.
3: We're now the 7th of July. We've got a six-week lockdown here in metropolitan Melbourne. That takes us to the middle of August. We then yeah. know that the increase in whatever it'll, they're going to do is going to be slight. At least road. a month. So yeah. you're going to be middle of September, yeah. which is when which is when Sandown's meant to be. I can't see it happening either. No, mate, I,
2: I can't. And they, they now need to be flexible. And I, I would foresee them, and, and it sucks for the people that have committed to do this, and I'll come to that in a sec, like... They could be away until Bathurst. Quite yeah. quite seriously, they could be sure. away until Bathurst and then maybe go back, regroup. And if they have to run some more races and go back to Sydney Motorsport Park in December for for the finale, then fine. And you'd like to think that by then things will be okay in Victoria. Um, but they have to get as much racing in as they can in the next eight weeks. Um, and I agree with you. The other thing I, I think worth pointing out, and we we touched on it with James, was that the commitment from these people in Victoria to leave the yeah. state is yeah. enormous. And, yeah. and we touched on it with James in that, that the example is often cited as the footballers in Aussie rules who have been told to relocate to these hubs in Queensland or Victoria or WA and they're away from their family for four weeks. And yes, there's some support staff involved, but not in the same quantity or balance of what it takes to put on a supercar round. Yeah. So you're talking about 22 AFL players and a dozen, half a dozen, if that support staff, coach, couple of assistants, fitness guys, and that's it. Um, but the the difference between an AFL footballer, and I don't want to have a crack at these guys because they're making sacrifices as well. But the difference between an AFL footballer on 300 grand a year and a mechanic working for Tickford or Erebus, lucky to make a quarter of that. Um, you know, the, that's an enormous commitment that these teams have made. And, and it's not just a commitment for their, lively, for their staff livelihood and their team's ongoing success. It's the sport overall. Yeah. Because if these teams hadn't have left Melbourne, supercar stops for at least two months, yep, if correct. not longer, as we just talked about. So it puts the entire remainder of the season, Bathurst, the biggest race of the year, the most important race commercially and um, from a TV point of view, puts that in jeopardy. So they've taken one for the team, quite literally, here, Shebex, in, mm. in putting their lives on hold. So everybody else, Queensland teams, you and I, so we can keep doing this for our great partners at Truck Assist and NTI who sponsor us, who if there was no motor racing would have no reason to do so. Yep, correct. Um, it, it's, it's a massive, massive thing for the sport. And they've, they've sacrificed a bit. And uh, I'd like to buy them a beer at some point because um, they've, they've gone above and beyond to keep the show on the road and we need to be appreciative of that
3: moving forward. Well, let's hope that some point it is in 2020. I'm not liking the fact that it probably won't be, but uh, <laughs> no, you know, it will no. be, it will be fingers crossed. It will be. Hey, crazy. Always great to chat to you, mate. Uh, catch up with you next week when we preview the, uh, the next round at city motorsport park. Look forward to that and uh, go.
2: Yeah, no, I like it. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it, mate. It like, we've got it continues to offer hope at a time when there is very little that we're still going to have a some work for those of us lucky enough to work in it yeah and be some entertainment on a sunday but saturday night night racing brilliant mixed excuse me mixed tires is going to mix things up as well so there's a lot to look forward to we need to remain as optimistic as we can and keep the show on the road dale rogers from the racetalk.com
3: hello dale
0: tony how are you nice to be on the show again
3: Lovely to have you on the show. Uh, mate, your thoughts on Escape Victoria? And that's not our new tourism slogan. That was supercar teams getting out of here in the last 48 hours. It's been an amazing thing, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, extraordinary, Tony. I, I think the uh, you know we, we saw the AFL team scampering, packing up bags with some footballs in it and some training bits and pieces. And uh, they were patting themselves on the back, did a great job. But then you had, 24 hours later, you had... Uh, Guys with no doubt cars in bits and pieces on workshop floors saying, get this stuff into the transporter and get it in quick. Um, so an extraordinary job for the Victorian teams to actually have the ability to, to get those transporters packed with the equipment they need uh, in such a short time uh, and get over the border. And I know that some of them were you know very, very late. We've seen some Facebook posts of things of people scampering over at 11 o'clock at night and... Uh, Uh, So it's an extraordinary effort. And and I I really think that the commentary from the likes of Supercars, from Fabian Coulthard, from Red Bull Racing, from Scotty McLaughlin, just really heartfelt thanks to the Victorian teams for making that effort. Um, You know, as a community, I think it makes it very worthwhile. So it's an enormous task. Um, You know, no warning for families, no warning that they're... And no no idea when they're coming back. So um, it looks like Sydney Motorsport Park is now V8 Supercar Park.
3: Yeah, exactly right. And there's a, a great video that's been put together by Kelly Racing in regards yeah. to getting their cars ready. They had no engines in their car. Frosty even told us, and, and Kelly had the same, the uprights weren't in the car, so they couldn't move the cars. All this work had to be done in three, four, five hours, not yeah. just for one car, but two. Yeah, and then look
0: at a spares inventory that you say, well, you know, we obviously pack the transport a certain way, but whatever you can get in there, get in there, because we just don't know what we're going to need in yeah. terms of spares. And of right. course, freight in the later weeks. Um, you know that, that we've seen <coughs> the on on, on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday morning uh, queues at the at the border uh, a couple of kilometres long to get from Woodonga to Albury, and there are people that live there they're going to try to go to work. <laughs> so, you know, getting freight across there if you need some extra bits and pieces after next weekend or before next weekend. Logistics, extraordinary, and, and you just got to take your head off to supercars. As I said, the AFL did an enormous job, but they didn't have to move the stuff that the supercar teams had to move.
3: No, exactly right. Uh, F1 season restarted again on the weekend. Some fantastic racing. It was great to have uh, that sort of racing first up. Before we get into last weekend, though, let's have a look at the future, and the future looking very bright for a driver at Renault, or a spare driver at Renault. Uh, sorry, let me rephrase that again. A spare seat that's at Renault is going to be filled by a very experienced driver.
0: Yeah, we've just, uh, it'll be announced uh, Wednesday, which when we go to, to air with this, is that Fernando Alonso will return to Renault on a two-year deal. Uh, he has made no secret that if the right opportunity came up, that he'd be wanting to get back in. And uh, I guess that he can now send Daniel Ricciardo a Christmas card for the next couple of years because it would be the only seat at the you know the mid to the top of the grid that's available to him. He has a great history with Renault he knows the Enstone guy as well there's a lot of people there that worked when he was in the in the seat and winning world championships for them it's look can the car win um, you know I think the promising thing from the weekend which we'll, we'll get to in a moment was the the fact that uh, the McLaren powered by a Renault engine was a very competitive car um, I think Ricardo showed some glimpses of, of, of form. Uh, his qualifying was hampered by by off. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. He got straight on the radio and said there's yellow yellow flags or yellow lights out. So he could have been a bit further up the grid. But um, it's, I think it's great to have Alonso back. He's a huge name, a huge talent in the sport. He'll push that team, uh, as Ricardo has. He'll push it. Orcon will benefit from it. Um, but it also shows that we now make a commitment. So it means that we're not going to you know, potentially lose a manufacturer from the sport for the next couple of years. And um, new rules, new rules packages. It's a level playing field in 2022. Uh, the cars will be very much the same next year. So Alonso will have a year to get himself back into the, uh, into the team. Um, you know, it's a great thing. I, and getting, having people sitting on the sidelines who still want to race and are still super competitive, because we've seen what he's done in, in, in WEC, um, at Le Mans, at the Rolex 24-hour. Um, he still wants to drive fast and he can drive fast. So it's great for Formula One that he's coming back.
3: Would it have been a toss-up for them between Alonso and Vettel for that Renault seat?
0: Oh, look, like if they haven't spoken to Vettel, I'd be very surprised. But, um, you yeah, know, it's, it's a sentimental thing. So Alonso has such a great history with Renault. You know, world champion with the team. Uh, as I said, you know, he, he will fit into this team very well. Vettel's an unknown quantity. Um, you know, is the passion still there with Sebastian? Yeah, look, I guess it is. But would he, it's a difficult one. Oh, if you if you put the two of them head to head at the moment of who would probably drive the team harder, uh, although he comes with um, some quirky behaviour, yeah, I think you'd probably lean from Renault's point of view to Alonso. So yeah, I'm sure they looked at the teller. I mean, why wouldn't they? It's, uh, he, he's a, a four-time world champion on on the market.
3: You say Vettel's an unknown quantity. I think Vettel is a known quantity, and that's probably why he didn't get the seat. Oh, that's,
0: yeah. yeah, that's probably actually more accurate. So he's a known quantity and. Uh, uh, but you look, you know, Alonso will work with Alcon. that They'll work as a team. Um, you know, it, it's a no brainer. If he's available and he wants to do it, yeah, you'd, you'd go with him, I think.
3: Yeah, you would. Uh, let's have a look at last week's racing. A fantastic win for Valtieri Bottas from Lights to Flag. Uh, did it well all weekend. That Mercedes and their uh, new steering gadgetry. I'm not sure how. Yeah, I the DRS
0: system. It's look. It's Mercedes didn't have an easy road there. Uh, you know, I think the thing that really showed is that the safety cars put their race under risk. Uh, at one stage there, there was a, a shot from Turn Three that showed uh, Bottas and Hamilton behind him, and an eight-second gap to uh, to Albon at the time, who was obviously the the next best, uh, had been closed down by Leclerc. So you know, that's a that's a re- really showed the dominance of the team on the first weekend back. Remember, this is the first Grand Prix of the year. Yeah. However, there were real gremlins occurring with the, with this gearbox. That track is a car wrecker, and they were fragile. There's no question that's come out after the event that both gearboxes were in strife. They were on the radio lap after lap after lap telling the guys to get off it. So the safety cars really affected their race. Um, and as we saw, I mean, Albon had a big crack at uh, at Hamilton. Um, in the latter stages of the race on new tyres. And as the field closed up, they couldn't pull away because they simply couldn't turn the car on. So, had there not been safety cars, I don't think we'd be, we'd be having this report saying it was a great Grand Prix because it wasn't a great Grand Prix up until then. They were super dominant. There were some great battles in the mid-pack. Um, but there's obviously some, some fragility in that car. If we move to the team, was probably the most disappointing team was Ferrari. They certainly didn't um, perform in qualifying. Leclerc, You know, he's a super talent. He drove around a car that shouldn't have been on the podium and Mm. he got there. Now, yeah, okay, safety cars played a role, but he was still there at the end. He still did a great job. They've got an enormous amount of work to do because if you look at the team's ranking, they were not the second team on the weekend. Red Bull clearly were the second team on the weekend. Mechanical problems for both cars, you know, spoiled their race. Verstappen had the strategy that could have beaten McLaren. He started on the medium tyre. Every car in the top 10 Stated on the soft. So he would have had a run at the at the uh, Mercedes for a long period of time. Didn't come to pass. We did predict, like, Tony, last week that Racing Point would be the turn that t- would turn it on, and they yep. did. Yeah, uh, they were absolutely the best of the rest after the, the big three man um, McLaren got the result in the end from some fantastic driving from Norris which you've, we've heard from
3: a little bit earlier actually I was going to say that you said that Ferrari were the second best team of the weekend I would nearly say McLaren no, no, no,
0: no. I, I would say that, uh, that, that um, Red Bull were the second oh sorry team I would
3: say McLaren were better than them
0: well look yeah, in outright performance Red Bull were the best were the second best team results absolutely you, you yeah. couldn't agree with you more um, but McLaren certainly got the result in the end but but Perez copped the five-second penalty, and clearly um, he was probably the next best car after, in you know, a race race and qualifying package after the uh, the Red Bulls and the uh, Mercedes. So there's a lot of things that have happened. The race threw up a lot of things. The, the, the McLaren drivers did an awesome job. I mean, take nothing away from Norris and Sainz. They did a fantastic job. And really, you know, Lando was not on the podium until the last lap. That five-second penalty that Hamilton had, he closed down to 4.76 seconds and set the fastest lap on the last lap of the race. So, a stunning drive from Norris, and we know he's great. I mean, we've we've YNR, uh, we've seen him on the E Series, and he's a great talent. I think he's become a. a, a after Dan, he's become our, our next favourite driver. So, a huge performance from him. Racing Point is very very impressed with. I think they 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 are going to turn it on. So we'll explain about Ferrari. Sort of bittersweet for Renault. Um, Dan got hampered a bit in the um, in that uh, qualifying. Never really got in much up the top 10. Was, was belted around the years a bit by uh, the cars at the bottom of that top 10. Orcon, first drive for f- 15 months, pretty serviceable. Got some points. Uh, was never really affected. But the attrition got him up mm. there. Mm-hmm. So, I think the midfield battle, as we predicted last week, Tony, is on for young and old. It's, there's no question that, that Racing Point, McLaren, Renault, Uh, Are really, really there. That's so. After the big three, uh, you know, we've got some good battles on our hands, and we just hope that next weekend, that uh, or the weekend coming, that that Red Bull can show the form that they showed last weekend, and perhaps really take it up to uh, to um, to Mercedes, and we might just see a couple of those midfield teams giving Ferrari a bit of a crack as well.
3: Nine cars DNF, Dale. That's just uh, atrocious attrition, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I guess if you look at the at the attrition at Australia over the years, I had a bit of a look back and it's not surprising first race, Tony, to have those sort of five, six cars pull out. Uh, and this was the first race of the year. It just happens to be in July, which yeah. is bizarre, but it, it's consistent with the, the early rounds. We often do see high DNFs in those early rounds and, and you know, this is, this is the, the fact. So, yeah, I guess that, I mean, look, the, the factories were shut down, we know that, but Disappointing, I guess. There were a lot of mechanical issues. Um, there were some bizarre issues, too. I mean, massive brake problems again for Haas. Um, Kimi Raikkonen, there was a great picture of him saying, if, if that's uh, if that's how DAS works, then, then I've got it, too. Because that wheel was hanging off in such an angle. He was obviously <laughs> doing something. But bizarre situation with those guys. Gee, even Atzi got in the top ten as well. Really disappointing, though, because it was a chance that George Russell could have snagged a point uh, for yep. Williams, which would have been pretty cool. But... Uh, yeah 11 cars finished you 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 if you if you're running you're probably going to get a point
3: so a week between races as you said a lot of work to do for some of these teams not at home in their garage in the garages of uh, austria to get these yeah. cars right and ferrari expecting some uh, fairly big upgrades i believe for the second race
0: yeah I, I, we've, we've heard that there's a lot of things coming and uh Why they didn't take them to the first race, I don't know. Obviously, they haven't been produced in five days. But I guess they needed a benchmark of the car. The car clearly was, again, we spoke last week, wasn't that that good in in winter testing. Um, So maybe they had to go with a revised package of that, but they really had had, had fast-tracked some other things there. I think the guys that were going to be the busiest, though, Tony, were not actually on that side of the pits. It was the guys on the other side of the pits who were painting not long after the race Every green Rolex sign that you saw every around that circuit to turn it into Pirelli because it's yeah. the Pirelli Grand sponsor next week. So the painters would be as busy as the uh, the dudes uh, in the, in the pit lane. But I think the the only other thing uh, I guess news was the um, and I and I know I know we're not a political show, but it was interesting watching what what occurred at the beginning of the the uh, the event. Uh, the end racism uh, message was loud and clear around the track. Uh, you saw signage on the pit wall and everything. Uh, we stand as one as the, what they're racing under. The only thing is they didn't stand as one. Uh, I actually admired the guys who said, we really don't defend racism, but not nor are we going to do a, sign- you know, a, a virtue signalling, if you will. Yeah. On one. And we also don't stand as one because every driver had a T-shirt on that said, end racism. But Lewis Hamilton had a T-shirt on that says, Black Lives Matter. Now, do we stand as one or not? And I, I just thought that was the... I know Hamilton's got an agenda. I know that, that there's a huge political debate here if you stand as one, you stand as one. And that wasn't standing as one, as far as I'm concerned. So, I don't know. I don't like politics and sports, Tony. It's something I just do not like the mix on. Uh, they've made this statement. I guess I'll do it again next week. But I admire the guys who had the conviction that, that they believe in the cause. But they weren't doing what they, uh, what, you know, there was no pack mentality, if you will.
3: No, and that's a fair call too. What I can tell you, though, is right here on the grid and at the race talk, we do stand as one. We do indeed. Even when Crowsey
0: gets stuck into me, we still stand as one. We,
3: we all get behind Crowsey and stand with Crowsey on that, without a doubt. Hey, Dale, thanks very much, mate. Really do appreciate it. Uh, very quickly, in 60 seconds, thoughts on this weekend?
0: Well, look, as I said, I, I think the team that has to improve is Ferrari. Um, and I'd be watching Red Bull. I think they've got the pace to, to run closer to... Certainly Verstappen has got the pace to run closer with uh, the Mercedes. Um, I, if I was the promoter, I'd be putting those sausage curbs they put back, they took out last time, put them back in, or run the race the other way or something. I don't know. But uh, you know, I hope it's not a repeat. Um, I think there will be, there should be uh, the ability for teams to fix some of these mechanical woes because they weren't chronic. They were thing, you know, some overheating issues in it. So there were things that would be normal development curve issues. Um, but yeah, I, look, the midfield's going to be a cracker again. I just hope that we've got a team, whether it's... Uh, whether it's Red Bull, Ferrari, or indeed McLaren, that that can actually uh, really take it up to Mercedes. But uh, as I said before, that uh, safety cow, an eight-second lead, someone's going to have to do something pretty serious this week.
3: And someone needs to tell Max Verstappen that his radio actually gets recorded and that he shouldn't have so many (laughs) expletives. I was horrified and mortified by the language coming out of his mouth. uh, He's pretty colourful, isn't he? He is. As you are, Dale. Thank you so much, mate. Really appreciate it. We'll catch you next week. Good on you, Tony. See you then. Cheers. Dale Rogers joining us here on the grid as you have as well. Thank you for that. We'll catch you right here, same time next week. This program is a radio show limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.